My name is Nicholas Danforth, and I'm an editor at War on the Rocks. You are listening to The Warcast, the members-only podcast for what you need to know now. On December 5th, Sudan's ruling junta signed a preliminary agreement with a coalition of political parties promising a gradual transition back to civilian rule. However, the deal has already been met by protests amongst those who remain skeptical. Here to discuss this with us is Susan Stigant, the Director of Africa Programs at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Welcome to the Warcast. Thanks for having me on. Can you give us a little background about the situation leading up to this agreement? I think it's worth going back to 2018 and 2019 when mass protests and a broad-based countrywide political movement uh, resulted in President Bashir, who had held power for over 30 years, um, was was forced to step down. Um, Initially, a military council uh, took power at that point, um, but demonstrations continued, uh, quite contrary to what what people may remember from the Arab Spring and from Egypt, um, where Sudanese, um, across all geographies, men and women, um, young and old people insisted uh, that they wanted to see democracy, peace, and justice for their country. Uh, That resulted in the establishment of a transitional government led by civilians um, and in a power sharing arrangement with the military. Uh, That that government uh, sought to move forward a reform process Um, that would have ultimately resulted in elections, Uh, but that was disrupted last year um, in October when the security elements within that that transitional government seized power um, and uh, arrested the prime minister, arrested prominent political leaders, um, and that military government has been in power since that time. So what we saw in the framework agreement uh, was the initial set of principles, an initial set of structures um, that would lead ultimately to restoring, um, renewing, and restarting that civilian-led transition um, and respond to the calls and the really courageous efforts of the Sudanese people to seek a different future for their country. And why has this happened now? The signing of the agreement, uh, I think, may have caught some people by surprise. Um, Over the last... 13 months since the the coup took place, there have been various efforts uh, to try to get the political transition back on track. Um, It's a very complicated situation uh, because we are not talking about one coherent group of political actors. we don't see that in the United States, so why would we see it in any, in any other country? But sometimes we talk about political forces like they are one group of people. Um, but there are a range of, of political interests and political leaders. Um, we also know that within the security sector, the military, um, as well as other armed groups, are not necessarily coherent themselves. So there have been intensive efforts uh, under the banner of the United Nations, the African Union, the Regional Peace and Security Body, the Intergovernmental Authority on Development, to try to broker a process that could set the stage to return to civilian rule. And the United States has also been very active in this conversation, uh, together with partners in, in what's known as the Quad. 
So that's the U.S., the United Kingdom, uh, the United Arab Emirates, and Saudi Arabia. And what's in terms of the pressure facing the military? I mean, the breakdown of how much is coming from the international community, how much is coming from protesters, from different political actors within Sudan. When the when the military seized power, um, they indicated that they did so because they had security concerns uh, and felt that the civilian government wasn't sufficiently positioned to address those. Um, What we've seen over the last 13 months, though, is a series of crises that the military government has not been able to resolve. Um, And I think that this uh, stems back to what, what we're seeing more broadly across Africa, that in some instances, while there might be tolerance among populations for militaries to step in, when elected or selected civilian governments aren't delivering um, security, basic services, or otherwise, there isn't tolerance that they should stay in power. Uh, So across Sudan, um, the economic situation uh, has deteriorated significantly. One of the major achievements of of the transitional civilian government uh, prior to the coup was to open up funding sources from the international community that had been restricted Um, under the Bashir regime. Uh, Those taps were turned off in large part when the coup took place. Uh, And so the the military government has been struggling to to address some of those economic challenges. The country's also seen the expansion of insecurity, uh, fighting that's renewed in in Darfur that listeners may may remember from the early 2000s um, where a genocide took place under, under the Bashir regime. Uh, to uh, an area called Blue Nile, um, where a peace agreement was signed as part of that previous civilian-led government. Um, And the political crisis ultimately uh, could also not be addressed. So there is tremendous pressure um, in that regard. Uh, And I think broad coherence um, among the international community uh, that a civilian government needs to be reestablished before the financial assistance um, that the country absolutely needs will will be restarted. And you mentioned the plethora of political actors. Give us a sense of, you know, on the civilian side, what the situation looks like. During the revolution that that led to the initial establishment of of the transitional government, uh, a a political uh, entity called the Forces for Freedom and Change uh, very much led the nego- political negotiations as well as the establishment of, of the government. And, and this entity, um, we just call it in short form, the FFC, uh, continues to play a role. Uh, but there have been some very difficult negotiations because some political forces uh, were accepting of the action that the military took um, back uh, 13 months ago. Others um, were directly targeted by that um, action and the the coup itself uh, and stand very firm uh, that a fundamental prerequisite of a credible political entity is that they would not accept any further interference of of the military outside of its appropriate role in government. I don't think anybody's arguing that the military should should no longer be there. The question is, um, what what are the appropriate sectors and roles for the military to play? Um, I I think the other really important um, dynamic that's that's playing out and that that drove this change um, in Sudan is the role of popular mobilization. Uh, Over the last 13 months, 
protests have continued, um, sustained protests across the country. And I, I think this is incredibly remarkable uh, for a number of reasons. Sudanese are going to the streets at a time when the economic situation is, is dire, uh, and most people simply can't afford not to be in, in their offices and doing their work. Um, protesters have also faced harsh, violent repression. Over 100 um, civilians, mostly young people, have been killed at the hands of, of security actors. Uh, and yet, uh, people continue to go to the street to demand peace, justice, and democracy for their country and their future. Uh, and so one of the challenges ahead is, is actually to ensure that the constellation of political forces, whether it's the forces for freedom and change, some of the more um, traditional political parties in, in Sudan, um, and some of the new political forces that are emerging, that they are responsive to and bringing along those who are continuing to go to the streets. Uh, the, the demand in the streets uh, is, is, uh, is high, and any sort of deal will have to be accepted by the people who are most impacted uh, by whatever form of governance the country has going forward. So on that note, to conclude, then, what are the prospects for the deal? How is it likely to play out going forward? The deal, uh, I think, marks a really important milestone uh, towards the, the reestablishment of a civilian-led government. Uh, it is absolutely phase one, uh, and there is quite a bit of work to do ahead. From what, what we can understand, there's an anticipation that there would be a second political framework that would provide additional detail on some of the core issues. And, and what the political forces um, have indicated is that these are the issues where it is particularly important that there is broader inclusion. Uh, that means broader inclusion of other political forces, as well as broader participation of citizens from across the country. So some of the, the issues that have to be examined uh, and agreed there, uh, both among citizens and political forces and then with, with the military government, uh, include transitional justice. And so what is the, the process to uh, acknowledge and redress human rights abuses and crimes that have taken place? Uh, a second issue that has to be addressed is a, a particularly tricky one related to security sector reform. And that's a very broad term that means a lot uh, to a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, but that means uh, figuring out how the country can establish one army um, and what is the appropriate security structures to deliver security for Sudanese. Um, oftentimes we think about security as, as something just for those who, who have guns. Um, and uh, hopefully there's a further conversation about what does it mean for Sudanese to feel secure in their country and what structures are needed to address that. Uh, the next phase of the agreement will also have to uh, examine uh, questions related to the former regime and ways to ensure that the structures that were built during the Bashir era are um, addressed and with the terminology that was used previously was dismantled. Um, I think that's a particularly sensitive issue. There are some deep economic interests, um, deep security interests, and I think there's broad recognition that in order to get to credible elections, uh, many of those power dynamics have to be addressed. And then there are also issues related to the peace 
and the implementation of the peace agreement for areas that were impacted um, during the civil wars in Sudan and areas that have been historically marginalized. Uh, so it's a, it's a tall agenda going forward. Uh, it will be really important that international partners remain coherent, uh, continue to push in the same direction, uh, and facilitate ways that what's been agreed behind closed doors in secret uh, can come out in for public discussion uh, and support from those who are mobilized in communities and who will ultimately have to implement the agreement. Uh, and I think the other point of preparation that will be necessary, we always, we always think about how do we get the signature on the document. Uh, we rarely think about what's needed to implement it. Um, and we know that funding and resources will be incredibly important to help Sudan to address some of its economic challenges and actually show that a government can deliver. And so the sooner conversations can take place about how those resources are provided, how they align with priorities set by a future civilian government, how they help to bridge the disparities of the past and actually contribute to that idea of a more inclusive, just democratic country. Uh, I think there's that, that gives a better chance um, of success. Uh, this, this type of opportunity really only comes across once in a generation. And as the African continent has been experiencing this increase in coups, I think many of us are looking to, to Sudan as, as a point of hope. Uh, if the military can figure out a way to hand power um, to civilians, it really would set the tone um, that this, there is a possible pathway out of, of military takeovers. Uh, and that's been a, a complicated conversation and one that matters for, for the long-term stability and peace and pro prosperity of the continent where there is the largest population growth and I think 75% of people are under, under the age of 35. So tremendous potential. Thank you so much for joining us on The Workcast. Thank you.